Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Hannah from United Citizens of Europe and today I'm here with Gianluca Cesaro from PICOM, the platform for international cooperation on undocumented migrants. So Gianluca, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. So should we start off by um, maybe if you briefly want to introduce yourself and what's your role in the organization? Where are you from? So yeah, um, I'm Gianluca. I'm communications officer at uh, PICOM, uh, which is a very short acronym for quite a long name, uh, Platform for International Cooperation on Undocumented Migrants. Um, and yes, what we do um, is really uh, advocating for fairer and more humane policies uh, for uh, undocumented people. Um, and my role is really to, um, to manage the communications channels um, of the organization and so social media, website, um, etc. And then to also lead on the work we do on narratives and language we use to talk about these people. Right, and we'll get into that a bit later, but also important for our audience since at United Citizens of Europe, we're run by by students, by young adults, and most of our audience is also young adults, and I'm sure they would be very interested in, you know, how did you get into this organization? So, um, I started working in the human rights uh, sector right after my, uh, my studies. So I studied uh, international relations for three years in Italy. Then I moved to Brussels and studied uh, European studies for a couple of years for my master's. Um, and then uh, that's when basically I, I got interested in the EU human rights policy and in the human rights um, world also as a professional perspective. Uh, for me. So I started off with a couple of uh, traineeship experiences um, in um, EU level NGOs. Uh, I was working at the time on uh, the inclusion of Roma people. And these were experiences uh, that really helped me get familiar with, with, with a variety of, of tasks, um, including on communications. And so um, that's really when I decided to, to focus my uh, career in. I started to read lots of books uh, about communications and about how to communicate social change, how people think um, and change or don't change their mind. Um, and I complemented all these first experiences uh, with, a, with a master's in, uh, in human rights, which was um, a hybrid creature because it uh, involved both um, legal classes and social sciences classes. So philosophy of human rights, for instance, history of human rights, uh, sociology of human rights. Um, and that's how I got into communications. And, um, and this is my second role as a communications officer in a, in a Brussels-based NGO. And so what specifically drew you to PICOM? So I knew uh, the work of PICOM a bit uh, before uh, applying for this position. Um, and what really drew me to that organization and that position specifically was that um, I saw, you know, the, the issue of undocumented people um, as something that many people, maybe most people, don't know 
a lot about. Um, I think many people actually confuse undocumented people or, or undocumented migrants with asylum seekers or refugees. So um, it's an issue that it's not often uh, talked about um, and that it's um, quite, um, uh, you know, full of negative language and uh, images um, on the media, in the public discourse. Um, and so I thought there was potential for lots of uh, communications work uh, in, in this respect. And so just to talk a little bit more about the organization. So what does PICOM actually stand for and what is the goal of the organization? What we stand for is human rights for all um, and a dignified standard of living for all, um, regardless of whether you have um, your residence paperwork uh, in order or, or, or not. Um, and what we uh, do, our goal really, is to um, advocate for fairer and more humane policies um, for uh, for undocumented people that would improve the lives of undocumented people. Um, and mainly we do this at the EU level, so we do advocacy towards EU institutions and uh, partly at the United Nations level as well. And so, I mean, you briefly touched upon it, but of course Central to PICOM is also working with narratives, trying to change the narrative. And a big part of that is the words that you use. So can you tell us a little bit about why PICOM does not use the term illegal? Yeah, um, we're very um, much aware as an organization of the power of, of language in shaping perceptions and, and policy and policies uh, ultimately. Um, and so we're very aware that using certain words to talk about these people actually is conducive to then uh, damaging policies for them. Um, we, um, we actually started a campaign uh, several years ago, the Words Matter campaign, um, where we really tried to push against the use of uh, illegal because we think and we believe it is um, Lots of the times it's inaccurate because we're not talking about a criminal justice offence. We also think that um, it's discriminatory um, because it's very often only applied to migrants as a category to deny them uh, rights. Um, and also uh, because we find it uh, really dehumanising. Calling somebody illegal. Um, we believe that no one can be illegal. Uh, only certain, you know, acts are um, or can be labelled uh, illegal in the criminal justice sphere. But no, no person uh, can be. Um, and we find it highly dehumanising because, indeed, when you say illegal migrants, um, the images that you trigger in people's minds are all very much negative um, images of people coming um, to Europe um, hidden in, in the shadows, doing something dodgy, uh, coming here to, uh, uh, to steal something, you know. Um, so these are very, very negative images that are, are all triggered uh, by, uh, by certain words. I should also say that um, we also try to talk not just about the terminology, because um, oftentimes it's not just the words that you use. It's also the kind of 
narratives and images that you really um, use to uh, to talk about uh, these people. Uh, so we really make a, a conscious effort to uh, to talk about uh, undocumented migrants in ways um, that are more um, really more people centered. We try really to, t to talk about these people as people first. So on the one hand, not as criminals, but on the other hand, also not as, as victims. These are, or not just as victims, um, because these are, are still people uh, like anybody else and with, with, their own, with their own agency. So we might have uh, some audience questioning, okay, well then, you know, what terms do I use? So could you maybe kind of explain to our audience what terms they should use instead or how they um, can become more aware of the language that they use in everyday setting when referring to uh, undocumented migrants? So um, some of the terms that we uh, do kind of endorse as, a, as an organization, including in our Words Matter campaign, um, we have actually a very useful resource uh, on our website uh, on the Words Matter campaign page. Um, we produce leaflets in several languages that provide alternatives um, to illegal migrant in several in several languages indeed. Um, and so one very obvious alternative for us is undocumented. Um, but um, irregular migrants is um, definitely a more accurate term because it refers to an administrative irregularity. Um, so these are just a couple of, uh, of examples. In other languages, um, in French-speaking countries, uh, the, the term sans papier is really very much, very much used. Um, and as well as in, in Spain um, or Spanish-speaking countries, the word uh, sin papeles, uh, for instance. So there is um, a whole variety of terms. Um, but again, um, I think, um, the one important point is to always um, consider when we're talking about uh, these people um, to ask ourselves, are we uh, really conveying an image of, um, you know, them as criminals, uh, but also maybe of just victims, you know? Um, what we're saying is this um, conveying an image of them as, as people first, really. And I've seen on your Instagram that one kind of initiative to defy that norm of portraying undocumented migrants as uh, seeing them just as victims was um, an effort uh, to give them a voice and to hear some stories. Yes, exactly. Um, this is one of our key areas of work, I think, in our communications, um, communications work, indeed, is to try and elevate the voices and stories of um, of undocumented people, and we try to do this um, through our communications channels. Um, so you know, um, representing stories on social media, we've um, also gathered testimonies uh, from undocumented people on video, and we ran video campaigns on on social media as well. Um, lots of the stories uh, we're able to actually gather through our very widespread network of members. Um, 
our secretariat is is based in Brussels and it's a small small office, but actually we are a network organization uh, with lots of members uh, across across Europe. And outside of Europe, I believe as well. And there are a couple of them outside Europe as well. Yes. So we've also seen that PICOM covers uh, different focus areas, including health, housing, detention, and specific groups of undocumented people who specifically women and children. So how does PICOM actually manage to cover this kind of wide range of uh, focus areas? I think the short answer is it's hard. <laughs> it's it's quite difficult to uh, to cover all those areas indeed. Um, we have four different advocacy offices who uh, monitor um, and who specialized really in certain policy areas and, and they monitor those. Um, but it's true that the policy areas that we monitor, they are more <laughs> than our advocacy offices already. But again, um, we, um, you know, as an organization, you have to um, strategize about the the priorities that you uh, that you need to follow. And maybe I can say a couple of words about maybe one specific uh, priority across across areas after. Um, and again, we work a lot with with our network members. So we um, we get a lot of information from from them uh, from the ground. Um, and then in exchange, let's say, we also channel back information from the EU level and the UN level back to them. Okay, so let's talk a bit about how the pandemic has specifically affected undocumented people. And, um, I, you know, I've noticed on social media that you've been talking a lot about COVID-19 access for undocumented people. So what is PICOM doing right now in regards to this? We've, we've been monitoring as well um, the whole um, impact that the pandemic is having on undocumented people, uh, especially in Europe. Um, since uh, since last, last spring, um, we ran a survey uh, among our members to, to really ask them uh, what, what was going on on the ground. Um, and a majority of them responded to, uh, to that survey and they told us that 80% of them, of the respondents, said that the problem number one, number one problem uh, for undocumented people was the loss of income uh, because work was interrupted due to uh, lockdown and other restrictions. Um, and at the same time, the impossibility to get any, any kind of state support, um, for instance, unemployment benefits. Um, and then for a good half of the respondents, um, undocumented people were just simply unable to, um, for instance, keep social distances. How can you keep social distance when you're living um, in a very, very precarious setting, you know? Um, maybe with um, several other people in a very small, uh, a very small place. Um, not to talk about uh, undocumented people living in informal camps um, outside uh, outside big cities or people in in detention, for instance. Um, and and then what our members uh, also told us is that um, while requests for support have actually um, increased during the pandemic, 
they are actually less able to uh, to carry out those um, that kind of community work um, again because of uh, restrictions uh, related to to the pandemic. Um, so it's quite a um, a bleak picture uh, for undocumented people during uh, during the pandemic, and we're trying to uh, really highlight the the challenges they face, um, so that then you know policymakers could um, um, could put in place um, measures to support this population. And um, and we're uh, equally monitoring very much what's going on with the with the vaccines right now. So um, I don't know if you want me to say a couple of words on that. Or... Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of um, debate around the vaccines since um, end of last year, and we really um, first thing we really developed um, some key messages to communicate to um, our audiences on, um, you know, on how the vaccination strategies, they should include undocumented people as well. Um, and um, once we developed those messages and we started to communicate about those on social media, um, we started to get some uh, some interest from from journalists, um, which actually increased when we started to develop to gather more data about the national vaccination strategies and to uh, really develop a map that shows what countries are including undocumented people in their vaccination strategies. And it's work that we're doing, um, you know, as we get more information. Um, so um, we're keeping uh, to update um, the, this map and other, and other resources. Would you say that um, overall that, that EU member states have shown a willingness to vaccinate undocumented migrants or is it something that um, you see them a bit hesitant to do? The situation really varies uh, from country to country, uh, including in Europe. Um, we've seen that undocumented migrants have been included explicitly in uh, policies um, around the vaccination in Italy, in Spain. There are reports about Portugal as well, in, in France, in the Netherlands, in the UK, um, at least. Um, I imagine there would be more countries. Um, there are some other countries, for instance, Poland, which um, officially excluded, explicitly excluded undocumented people from the vaccination strategy. Um, I think there's, um, you know, uh, governments um, for um, the majority do see the usefulness uh, at the very least of including undocumented migrants in the vaccination strategy because it's quite you know public health common sense uh, for any vaccination strategy to work out you need to include everybody um, but then um, i think um, the issue is still um, or could be politicized quite quite easily and so countries are possibly possibly rightly so um trying to be quite uh, quiet about that um even if they do include um undocumented people they may prefer not to uh, 
talk about it uh, a lot. Yeah. Because, I mean, undocumented migrants have are always uh, have always faced vulnerabilities and now the pandemic has just exacerbated it. Exactly, exactly. Um, and maybe um, this is a good opportunity for me to actually um, say a couple of um, words about the main challenges uh, that they face. Um, also as a way of, um, um, you know, um, definition of who undocumented migrants uh, are. Um, I would say that, um, so undocumented migrants uh, are people, and that's the first thing uh, that we too often we too often forget. Uh, these are people who um, live in a certain country, um, but they cannot access uh, a residence permit because of where they were born, or because of where the parents were born, or because how they came to the given country. So, um, you know, if we take the, um, the example um, of Europe, these are people who came to Europe looking for a better life for themselves and their family and, and children. Um, but our migration policies don't, don't recognize them. Um, and so, for instance, they're unable to, um, to get asylum. Um, or they're also unable to get a work permit um, because you just can't come to Europe and work um, when you're coming from outside Europe and from specific countries uh, specifically. Um, because work permits are very few um, and they're very hard to get um, for, um, for lots of sectors that are actually hungry, hungry for workforce. And then you have people who never moved and never migrated to anywhere. They were born in Europe, but because they were born to undocumented parents, they inherit this, this status and in their life, they will still face the same challenges that their parents um, had faced before. Um, and so what's the problem with all of this? What's the problem with the lack of documents? Uh, well, the fact is that these are people who live and work and contribute to our societies as anybody else, but they just can't get the same uh, access to rights and services as their fellow fellow residents. Um, and so concretely, this means that um, they may not go to the police um, to report a crime, to report domestic violence, for instance, because they fear um, and oftentimes rightly so, that the police will just report them to immigration authorities um, and then that they will be detained and ultimately deported from, from the country they live in. Uh, and it's not just the police, it's the same with uh, labour inspectors. Um, they, they fear, and again, oftentimes rightly so, that the labour inspectors, instead of prosecuting the employer who uh, is exploiting them or who didn't pay their wages for the last six months, um, they will just again report them, um, undocumented people, to immigration authorities. In some countries, it's the same also for hospitals and doctors. People are um, afraid, and again, in some countries, rightly so, that if they feel sick and they go to a doctor or to a hospital, they will be instead reported again to immigration authorities. So this is a huge, huge challenge for, uh, for undocumented migrants. And this is one of our 
priority calls really to install to create a clear separation between public services so between doctors and hospitals and labor inspectors and police on the one side and immigration authorities on the other one and have you seen any changes in policy to accommodate to this well again the situation varies a lot from uh, from country to country what we've seen for instance during the pandemic is that um, in countries like Ireland for instance um, the Irish government um, in spring last year uh, said that um, any person no matter their resident status could get access to COVID-19 related care without any um, immigration control uh, without basically the hospitals or the Ministry of Health communicating data to uh, immigration uh, immigration authorities. Um, the fact is uh, that we would like to see these policies in place on a on a broad level for um, you know um, healthcare in general, not just related to COVID nineteen, um, and then for um, other services. Um, so, for instance, um, being able to go to the police. Um, to this day, um, it is still a risk for many undocumented people to go to the police in many, many countries. Um, one recent example about police is, I think, um, Spain, where the national ombudsman had recommended that um, the government puts in place this separation between police and immigration uh, authorities. Um, but the government recently, I think last month, um, decided to reject this recommendation from the Ombudsman. And of course, women and girls are disproportionately affected by, right? They, there, there are specific impacts indeed on women and girls um, of, um, of our, uh, due to our migration policies uh, indeed. Um, women and girls, um, just like in you know, lots of other fields of, uh, of life, they are um, subjected to um, discrimination uh, a lot um, or to gender-based violence indeed. And the same goes uh, for when they migrate. During um, the whole migration process and when they get to Europe, um, women are um, more likely than men to uh, migrate, for instance, on spouse-dependent visas, which means that they can only migrate and get a temporary or um, precarious uh, resident status in Europe only um, if they're um, married, uh, for instance, to, uh, to somebody or if they have any other kind of link to, uh, to their partner. Uh, the problem is that um, when that relationship breaks up, then they would lose the residence permit that comes with that relationship. And so you can well imagine that if, you know, they're suffering from domestic violence, these women will think twice before going to the police and report this violence, for instance. And, um, and this is, uh, you know, one of the 
the major challenges that um, the women in spouse-dependent visas uh, face indeed. Then there are, of course, um, all, um, all the other issues that are uh, common to uh, men and women when they are undocumented. So let's go back to how PICOM is trying to change the narrative on undocumented migrants. I wonder if in recent years you've noticed a shift in um, in certain policy changes, but also in how the media portrays undocumented migrants, how um, uh, how they are talked about. I wonder if, for example, you've also noticed specific changes from when you started this uh, this Words Matter campaign, or especially with the rise in in uh, far right radicalism, or um, you know, with the Trump presidency. If you've noticed any any shifts. Um. So uh, this is a, a really big question um, and, and a really good one um, because um, it, it covers so many different spaces, policy spaces at different levels uh, in different geographies and different media spaces as well. Um, but if I am to maybe pinpoint a couple of those, what we've seen in the media space uh, is that some big newspapers in 2013, and especially in the US context, we're talking about the New York Times and the Associated Press, for instance, they uh, changed their editorial guidelines to stop talking about illegal migrants and actually talk about um, either irregular or undocumented migrants. The, the situation with the European media is a bit different to this day. I think this is something I uh, checked end of last year. Um, the Guardian, which is, I think, one of the most widespread progressive outlets in, in Europe, still uses a combination of illegal migrants and undocumented migrants. I think with a prevalence still of undocumented migrants. But the, I think that the, the same issue that we see with calling these people illegal migrants, we also see with respect to migration as well. Um, so it's not just newspapers writing about illegal migrants, but also about illegal entry, illegal migration. And these are still expressions and words that are very, very much uh, negative. Um, as far as maybe more uh, policy spaces, of course, you know, it's very difficult to uh, to generalize, what we can see is that we see a certain trend uh, at the European Commission and European Parliament, uh, mainly, level to, uh, to really talk about irregular migrants instead of illegal migrants. Um, the Council uh, is, is a bit less, uh, less good uh, at this. So, yeah, I would say um, this to just give a couple of highlights from the EU, uh, EU policy level. Interesting. And it was interesting that you mentioned this case with Spain, that um, the Ombudsman was, was ready to, to allow um, undocumented migrants to receive vaccine access, and then that was struck down. They asked for it, yeah. The, the Ombudsman um, cannot, uh, you know, I don't know the, the legal uh, framework in, in Spain, but ombuds people don't usually, uh, you know, uh, adopt 
policies, they can they can recommend policies. And so this is what uh, they recommended. And manifestly, the, the government didn't uh, didn't respond well to that recommendation. Hmm. Well, I suppose it still shows a certain it's it's a it's a step in the right way, I suppose, even if there are increasing calls. Um, yeah. That's that's for sure. Yeah, for more inclusive policies. Um, maybe what I um, should also add here is that um, in in our work we've seen how lots of the times it's the cities, the local authorities, uh, that try to really um, push for more inclusive policies. Um, and we think that this is in part due to the fact that as a city, as a local authority, your main goal is really to um, to provide services to the the whole of your population, with or without documents. Um, for cities, being so close to the reality on the ground, um, they uh, they can see the the problems that um, that it creates not to have um, you know all people being able to access the same rights and services. Um, cities do see on a you know on a daily basis the effects of excluding people. Um, for instance, you know um, if we talk about homelessness or um, or many other issues, and so. Uh, there have been cities around Europe that have tried to implement policies that are more inclusive. Uh, for instance, in, in Barcelona or uh, more recently in Switzerland, um, you have both Geneva uh, that implemented a local regularization scheme or uh, Zurich, for instance, um, where they're trying to introduce a city card for all the uh, uh, Zurich inhabitants that would give access to uh, some city level services to any people. Uh, so even if you're undocumented, you could get uh, access to um, some services in Zurich. This is not a regularization. Uh, you would still be undocumented under Swiss law. Um, but it's, you know, an example of the the intent, the good intentions that um, European cities can show. Well, I think that's a, a good note to, to kind of wrap up on. That's a good uh, positive note. I'd just like to ask you, because we always ask this question at the end of our interviews, it's quite interesting for our audience just to know um, if your organization is offering any internship or volunteer opportunities. Yes, we absolutely do. Um, we actually um, host two to three traineeships um, every six months. Um, so a total of around six every every year. And it's usually uh, one in the communications team, so uh, to work with me, uh, among others, um, and, and a couple to work in the advocacy team. So in one of the policy areas we, uh, we discussed about. Um, we usually publicize the traineeships in January. Uh, and in August or late July. So, you know, you can follow us to uh, stay up to date, stay tuned with our next call, which is uh, going to be released this summer. And how can they find you? So they can find us on pcom.org, 
that's our um, our website. Um, but you can also find us um, across all social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. They all have different handles, but you just look for Picum, P-I-C-U-M, and you and you'll find us. Well, thank you so much for this uh, conversation. Very interesting. Thanks a lot to you for having me. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed our episode. Um, make sure you follow us, you rate us five stars on Apple Podcast. And make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our Twitter. You can find us as United Citizens of Europe. See you next week.